the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob Fratz Authority on AM 1420. The Answer. It is indeed every bit of that, nine minutes after 10 o'clock. Thank you for joining us. Hour number two underway on AM 1420, The Answer. If the words and the voice of the great communicator do not inspire you, well, then nothing will, except perhaps for the voice of the great sage from South Central. I speak again of the great Larry Elder, who joins us for a few minutes here on AM 1420, The Answer. Mr. Elder, good morning, sir. How are you out there in Southern California? I'm doing great, Bob, but to put uh, put me in the same sentence with the Gipper, I, I don't know about that. That's a little too much pressure. <laughs> <laughs> no, no pressure at all, my friend. No pressure at all. He, I play that at the top of every hour. I know you like to get it teed up on your show, which I always enjoy doing, right. too. Uh, but I, I love to play that uh, that very inspirational stuff from uh, from President Reagan. All right. Uh, you know, I'm going to start. Actually, I, I asked you to come on to talk about a couple of different things, and I want to start about the second, uh, talk about the second one first, and that is Chicago. Probably about, uh, I don't know, what, five, six hours from now, uh, they should be getting the weekend shooting festivities underway. Uh, I say that not mockingly. I say that just as a matter of acceptance and fact, because it is every weekend that dozens and dozens of people are shot in the city of Chicago. And I want to mm-hmm. talk, Larry, about two things, the root cause of this. And I want to talk about some suggested solutions. The left is starting now to do what they always do, and that is blame Trump for this, as if this somehow right. started under his watch. That he should come right. in and do something and try to change the culture there. Let's talk about the, the cause and, and the possible solution. Go ahead. Well, Bob, first of all, look, look at Chicago. Look at all the leading left-wing, left-wing rights who are there. Uh, Obama has adopted Chicago as his uh, hometown. You've got Father Flager there, the anti-gun guy. You've got Louis Farrakhan, the head of the Nation of Islam. Uh, you've got Rahm Emanuel, who used to be an aide to, uh, to Barack Obama. Uh, you've got Jesse Jackson. Uh, Chicago ought to be a, sh- a shining city on a hill, but it isn't. Uh, and uh, in the, as far as these murders are concerned, Bob, these mostly take place uh, in the south side and west side of Chicago, uh, in the uh, areas that are predominantly black areas. 
Uh, and the reason for it is because of the lack of fathers. Seventy-five percent of black kids do not have a father in the home. And I didn't say this. Obama said a kid raised without a dad is five times more likely to be poor, nine times more likely to drop out of school, 20 times more likely to end up in jail. The fact is a young black uh, man uh, is seven or eight times more likely to be a victim of homicide than a young white male. The primary reason for avoidable death for young whites uh, is uh, accident, like car accidents. The primary reason for avoidable death for young blacks, homicide. Uh, and, uh, and that's the problem. The problem is... Uh, we have a welfare state that, in my opinion, incentivizes women to marry the government, allows men to abandon their financial and moral responsibility, and we're having this proliferation of kids raised without dad. Not just in the black community, but also uh, in America in general. About 40% of all kids uh, in America are raised without dads. Almost 50% of Hispanic kids are raised without fathers. It is a national crisis, and it is what's driving this kind of crime. Larry, I've been listening to you for years, reading your books, reading your columns at Town Hall, and even your tweets, and I knew that's exactly what you were going to say, which is why I teed it up for you. Um, mm-hmm. So let's, t- let's look at the solution then. The solution is something that no one has ever been able to do in the last several decades. <clears throat> that is commit- convince these absentee fathers to either stop being absentee fathers and stop being fathers altogether, and please take more care than to uh, uh, you know create children that you cannot and will not take care of, but the ones that are already there, we're trying to get them to stay in the home, raise their kids, get them in school, keep them out of gangs. The president can't do that. Uh, No one can do that. That's a cultural shift that will take decades. Uh, So so what what is it that the left, these people you talk about, want Donald Trump to do, or anybody else for that matter, to to deal with that systemic problem? It's a good question. I've been on on the air 25 years, and in 25 years I've tried to get Jeffy Jackson on my program. I've tried to get Maxine Waters on my program. I've tried to get Al Sharpton. I've tried to get Farrakhan. The one so-called black leader I was able to get on uh, some years ago was Kowese Mpume, who at the time was the president of the NAACP. Mm-hmm. And here's what I said to him. Mr. Mpume, as between the presence of white racism or the absence of black fathers, which poses the bigger threat to the black community? And to his credit, well, without missing the beat, he said the absence of black fathers. Um, we need to, to flood the neighborhood with people who give a damn, who care, uh, mentors. Uh, I, I um, uh, support a group called the Bond, Brotherhood of the New Destiny, which is run by a guy named Jesse Lee Peterson. I know you know who that is. I and, do. Um, the organization was set up designed to encourage men to get in touch with their children, uh, to be uh, uh, respectful and responsible for the children they brought into the world, uh, and teach them how to, be, how to be fathers. That's what the organization is all about. Uh, if you have time, if you're retired, uh, you, are, you are ex-military, ex-teacher, and you're retired, why not be a big brother? Why not be a mentor? Why not join the many, many, many organizations there are so that you could be a mentor to some of these kids and hopefully get them to stay the course? In order to avoid poverty, you have to do three things. One, finish high school. Two, don't have a kid before you're 20. Three, get married before you have that kid. That's a very simple formula. It may be hard to do, but it's a very simple formula. If we can inculcate that in the minds of people and let them know nobody's out to get you, the cops aren't to get you, aren't out to get you, this whole take-a-knee stuff is all BS. About 17 or 18 unarmed blacks were killed last year by the police. Twice as many unarmed whites. I defy your audience to name one unarmed white who was killed by the police. That's because it's not a story. Uh, and 17 is a tiny, tiny number out when you consider the 6,000 blacks who killed other blacks last year. It is rare for a police to kill anybody, let alone an unarmed black person. And these are the facts. And if people understand this, and understand that nobody's out to get them, nobody's trying to undermine their success. Indeed, everybody's pulling for you. 
want people to be productive. We want people to increase our tax base. Nobody's out to get you. The, the biggest enemy is the guy or gal in the mirror. To buttress that point, uh, we're talking to the great sage from South Central, Larry Elder. To buttress that point, you know, that number could be even reduced further when you consider the number of quote-unquote unarmed blacks who were shot by police officers uh, who were trying to arm themselves by attacking the officer and trying to take their right. gun. To me, they don't right. fall into the category of unarmed when you are trying that's, to that's arm yourself. Very, so, you, that's, yeah, that's, you, that's a very good point. Un- unarmed does not mean not dangerous. Michael Brown right. was unarmed and his DNA was on the officer's gun. And right. the other thing, too, Bob... Take a, take a look at all these cases, whether you're talking about Freddie Gray uh, in Baltimore, Eric Gardner in New York, or Tamir Rice, Rice in Cleveland, or Sandra Bland in Texas, or uh, Michael Brown in, in, in Ferguson. You name them, all you had to do was comply. Had you complied, you would not have died. What's so hard about simply following an order? Even an illegal order needs to be followed according to the Supreme Court. You don't have a right to disobey a legal order. Comply, you won't die. Why is that such a difficult message? Perfectly stated, as always. Larry, let me pivot to the other thing I wanted to talk to you about, and that is the president's no good, very bad, horrible week. And I'm playing off of the book title in the movie uh, of Alexander. I think it's Alexander's bad week. Anyway, uh, Michael Cohen, Paul Manafort, that has led the left to say, aha, he is an unindicted co-conspirator, particularly in the Cohen case. And Manafort, uh, you know, clearly he's, uh, you know, he's guilty. So that means Trump is guilty. Now we know the truth. You know the truth. You've talked about it on your right. show. Manafort's crimes predate his association with Donald Trump. Uh, in Michael right. Cohen's situation, there's no evidence whatsoever that Donald Trump did anything illegal. But here we sit. Yesterday's news cycle on CNN and MSNBC, just those two networks, they combined to use the word impeach or impeachment. 222 times. They think wow. the time has come to remove. That's that's not a joke. 222 times between the two networks yesterday. Uh, they think that, you know, they, that this is the time to remove the president of the United States. And you say what? Well, there's a reason that uh, Nancy Pelosi and even Maxine Waters have been relatively quiet after uh, those uh, uh, the, the verdict in the Manafort case and the plea deal in the Cohen case, because apparently their internal polling shows that impeachment is not popular. Also, there's a uh, CBS pollster who just uh, said that he doesn't see this blue wave happening at all. Uh, And you look at the economy, you look at how people feel about uh, their future, uh, you look at the generic ballot, uh, uh, Democrat versus Republican for the House, uh, and you're seeing that the number's narrowing. There's no guarantee that there will be, in fact, a blue wave. There's no guarantee that the Democrats will take control uh, of the House in November. And if they don't, uh, this whole conversation is moot. The only question is, if they take over, what will they do? And I don't believe it is in their best interest to impeach. I believe it is in their best interest to have him sit there, have a whole bunch of hearings, have a whole bunch of subpoenas, have a whole bunch of investigations, and beat him up and beat him up and beat him up and hope that he lashes out and says something uh, angry or, or um, uh, counterproductive uh, for Republicans. That, to me, is, is a much more sensible strategy. And furthermore, even if he's impeached, of course, he's not going to go anywhere because it takes two-thirds uh, in the Senate. And in the history of this country, no senator has ever voted to remove a president of his own party from office. It's not going to happen now. It didn't happen with Andrew Johnson. It didn't happen with Bill Clinton. It's not going to happen with Trump. So he's not going to go anywhere, but his agenda will be, will be gummed up. Right. Uh, building the wall will be gummed up. Uh, moving the country further will be gummed up. That's what they want to do, and that's what they intend to do. Larry, last thing before you go, and we're already a little bit late here, but I don't care. Um, Elizabeth Warren said on live television on CNN on Wednesday, when asked about Molly Tibbetts being murdered by an illegal alien and what she thinks of that, um, she said, 
that's sad. Sorry about that to the people of Iowa, but we have to focus on the real problems with immigration. And then she spent she spent eight seconds, Larry, eight seconds on on Molly Tibbetts and didn't even mention her by name, just saying that's sad. Sorry, the people of Ohio had or, uh, Iowa had to go through that. Then she spent 45 seconds saying the real problem is that mothers are being separated from their children at the border. I have yeah, never heard anything as tone deaf as that. It is it is just reprehensible. Go ahead. Yeah, it's shameful. And, and furthermore, the policy has been changed. They keep acting as if the policy is still in existence. It has been changed, and they're still pounding and pounding and pounding uh, and showing that they don't give a rip about what happens to people who are murdered by illegal aliens. They don't give a rip about the crime. And I keep hearing all of this crap about, well, uh, when you look at their population, they commit less crime compared to Native Americans. So what? It shouldn't be any crime. They shouldn't be here in the first place. They're also more likely to go on welfare than people uh, who are natives. And never bring that part up. Uh, illegal immigration costs this country a great deal. I'm in California. Just one study suggests that $25 billion a year, every single year, uh, is being spent on, on uh, illegal immigrants uh, and their children. And I think it's fair to, to include the cost K-12 through of, of the children of illegal aliens, even if they're born on American soil and Absolutely. they're citizens, because they wouldn't be here otherwise. So, $25 billion a year just in California alone. It's outrageous. And you look at the competition for jobs uh, for people in the inner city, especially those who are unskilled, who are black and brown. I thought those are the people that the Democrats care about. So the whole thing is tone deaf, as you pointed out. Uh, and you look at the issues, and uh, immigration is now near the top of, 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 of concerns for Americans because they're no longer worried about the, about the economy. So I think it's an issue that the Democrats... Uh, are going to lose on, uh, and people like Elizabeth Warren and people like the senator from New York who want to abolish ICE, uh, I think are, are harmful to the party. Larry Elder, the sage uh, from South Central, joining us on AM 1420, The Answer. Quick promo of the Larry Elder Show. Who's on today? Uh, just me. Okay, so we're just <laughs> saving the country. It's called, it's called Phone a Bro Friday. My brother's going to be on as he is every Friday. Love that, love he's a, that. He's a, he's, a, he's a registered Democrat. Everybody in the family has one, right? <laughs> yes, we do. Yes, we do. I mean, the difference is you're willing to talk to yours. Most of us can't even talk to ours. Good stuff, Larry Elder. Thank you, my friend. God Thank bless. You. you got it. Larry Elder joining us on AM 1420, The Answer. Let's uh, get a traffic and come back and get some phone calls next on uh, the Bob France Authority. Or more than 18... 18- 1027, now the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer time for a couple of phone calls before we get to our bottom of the hour news. We'll go to who's been here longer. Francis has been in Bedford. Francis, thanks for joining us. You're on the air. Go right ahead. Thanks, Bob. I, I just wanted to say and call and say that I have a solution to uh, African-Americans who say they're afraid of the cops and other people who say they're afraid of a cop. Why don't they, maybe you can propose a bill to Jim Jordan, why don't they make a DVD showing what to do when a cop approaches you, whether it's driving or whether it's walking. And if they have a problem, just tell them they can settle it when they get with their lawyer when they get to the station or what have you, and you can solve the problem that way. That way there won't be an excuse. 
I could not possibly agree with you more. You know, and, and it's not just for blacks, but there, there are a lot of people who get nervous when they're around cops. If they get pulled over, they think they've been targeted or they think that they're in, in more trouble than they are for just, you know, a, uh, you know, a traffic violation or something of that standpoint. And they don't know what to do. And in a day and age when cops are being shot and attacked at record numbers, cops are nervous. And if you do something nervous, and if you reach your hand inside your jacket, you might only be going to get your wallet for your license, but you didn't tell them what you were doing, you know, they're going to react in a way that's going to make things even more tense. I agree. Train everyone. But if they do feel like it's a problem more in the black community than others, okay, then train everyone in the black community by way of, you know, driver's ed even. Here's what you do when you're pulled over. Keep your hands at 10 and 2. Do not go into your glove compartment for your registration. Ask him if you can go into your glove compartment for your registration. There is a way to handle things where everybody walks away healthy. Maybe not happy if there's a citation or an arrest, but you're healthy. And you can challenge what you don't like about it when you get into a courtroom. Uh, well said. That is a big, big you know, part of the, the solution that people just don't seem to want to pay attention to. Todd in Cleveland is next. Hi, Todd. Go ahead. Yo, Bob. Yo, Todd. Larry, Larry's wrong. Larry, Larry Elder's wrong. It's not the about what? The two things. It's not the issue of a lack of fatherhood because that would depend on what type of father you have, just like it depends on what type of mother you have. If it was that simple, the actual issue is a lack of healthy appreciation for the opportunities and time, energy, and money of what it takes to maintain and increase a healthy life, and that could be taught without having your father, preferably with your father, though, without having your mother, but preferably with your mother. Those are the issues. People that have weak appreciations of that tend to get into things like you're, you're describing in Chicago. And then the other thing you I don't think about, I don't think I don't think uh, I would prioritize money over over disciplinary relationships with parents. And I say parents plural. Uh, I, I just couldn't disagree with you more, Todd. Uh, to me, it's not about what you have or don't have financially or these kinds of things, or, you know, poverty that you're in. To me, if you have two disciplinarian parents who make sure that you're, that their kids, for whether you've got all the money in the world or no money at all, you make sure that that child is in school and not on the street corner. That child is doing homework and not going down uh, to, to sling. You make that child, make sure that child is doing the right thing so that they don't fall in with the wrong people. That's how you avoid so many of these things that we're seeing in Chicago. And the fact that I, I, I just could not agree with Larry Elder more and with what you, you just said less. Respectfully, I say that because you're a good guy. You're a good guy and you're a good caller. But I could not disagree with you more. And if I had more time, I would disagree with you even louder. But I don't because it's news time now on AM 1420, The Answer. Mike Gallagher, coming up at 11 on AM 1420, The Answer. Yes, indeed. Rolling along, are we at 1035? We've got 25 minutes of outstanding awesome left for you. Then we're going to turn it over to the political stylings of Mike Gallagher. He'll take you to Prager at noon, Medved, Seculo, Elder, and Walsh. Wasn't Larry Elder brilliant? Every time I have Larry Elder on, I, you know, he's one of the few. I say, I say this probably about three regular guests, maybe four. When Peter Kirstenau is on and then he leaves, I feel smarter for his having been here. When Larry Elder is on, I feel the same way. When Claire Lopez is on, I feel the same way. And when Daniel Horowitz is on. And that's not to say that others aren't brilliant guests. Certainly our elected officials, but there are some individuals where I just feel like, yeah, I feel like I've just stepped out of a classroom. And uh, Larry Elder was spot on with that. All right. Uh, I want to pivot back now to presidential politics. I just tweeted a poll, by the way. 
uh, and uh, with a link to the news story from the Washington Times that GOP um, elected officials, GOP con- congressional members, are predicting that President Trump is going to fire Jeff Sessions. Uh, and so I just put it out there, a link to that story with this poll question. Should Donald Trump fire Jeff Sessions? You have three choices, believe it or not. Yes, immediately, or yes, but after the midterms, or no, let him do his job. Uh, cast your votes there, and we'll update it, and leave your comments, obviously, as we go, and we'll read the best ones. I'm on Twitter at Radio Done Right, Radio Done Right, all one word, no spaces, no underscores. So the president is fighting a very public battle with Jeff Sessions as he continues to fight a very public battle with the media. And uh, it is simply astounding that they continue to write, what was the last number we saw, 90%? I think it was 90%. The Media Research Center did the compilations and the computations and found that 90% of the news stories that have been written about Donald Trump since he was elected, and not just inaugurated, but elected, have been negative news stories. That's simply unfathomable. You cannot do that accidentally. That is intentional. And the president pushes back on that and calls it fake news, calls the press biased as they are, an enemy of the people. The press doesn't like being called out for that, and so they say they they conspire 300 newspapers strong to run essentially the same editorial last Tuesday saying that the president is uh, is wrong, that they are not the enemy of the people defending the importance of a vigorous and free press. Well, I just saw a wonderful op-ed in a local newspaper, the Illyria Chronicle-Telegram, by a gentleman that joins us now, which is challenging those newspapers and that mantra, pointing out that, yes, the president is not, or no, rather, the president is not the enemy of the people either. Andrew Lippian joins us. He is a native-born Clevelander a graduate of the People's Republic of Oberlin College, and he's currently getting a master's degree. Where? We, we, we can't let this guy on. No, we can't. Bre- no, no, no. You're, you're at the University of Michigan? Holy cow. Oberlin and Michigan. You, you went and said the M word. I, I did. I did. Uh, he's a frequent contributor of conservative columns to the Chronicle Telegram, as well as the Michigan Review, father of two, and he's also an active member of the Ohio Air National Guard. Andrew, really good to have you. How are you? Great to be here. Thanks. How did you survive Oberlin College uh, and, and you know still have your brain intact, still have your wits intact, still have your sanity intact? Well, it was a homogenous campus. Everybody thought the same way, and they assumed you were a liberal until you spoke up. But I was lucky that I had a professor named... Timothy Hall, who was a philosophy professor there and represented a small contingent of about six conservatives that formed a club. He brought John Bolton, Carl Rove, all sorts of people to campus. They always got protested, and it instilled in me a very serious drive to make sure that people's speech is able to be heard and not shut down. That is impressive, and it's very hard to do. I mean, we all know that there are, uh, you know, precious few conservative minds, at least, uh, you know, who became public figures, uh, including Michelle Malkin, who, who survived that. You know, most of these uh, kids go in perhaps either already liberally indoctrinated or just completely political neophytes who then become liberally indoctrinated by the faculty and the campus environment there. So the fact that you were able to survive that. And tell me this, and I know you're pursuing your graduate degree uh, at Michigan. Uh, as I understand it, when it comes to the law, Larger state schools like Michigan, uh, you know, it's it, it's it's Oberlin esque. It's it's not necessarily you know Oberlin, not necessarily Cal Berkeley in terms of its liberalism, but it's pretty doggone close considering the size of that school. Is that accurate? You know, I'd say that any school that you go to these days, that's either a small liberal arts college or a major university, is drinking the Kool Aid of the liberal left. 
So, uh, so you're 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 really enduring it from uh, from two different places at Oberlin and at Michigan, and I commend you for maintaining your conservatism. And maybe, in fact, it's been emboldened. Let's talk about the enemy of the people, President Trump has declared that the press, and he's clarified that through the days, by the way, and saying, I don't mean all press. He means the peddlers of fake news. They're the enemy of the people. And um, you wrote a piece yesterday that I read, which led to me reaching out to you. uh, And thanks to our mutual friend, David Arredondo, for pointing it out to to me. You, 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 You called the press out for their own tactics here, uh, saying that they have tried to paint President Donald Trump as an enemy of the people since arguably before he was elected going back to his uh, you know when he was the nom- when he was the uh, republican nominee or even in the primary phase they have been so incredibly negative to him but especially since he took office doing everything they can to destroy him uh, who, have they do they have any moral ground to stand on when they want to call the president uh, the enemy of the people when they try to condemn him well i think they have to be careful because they like to argue for the power of the press is protected in the Constitution, but they should also recall that Article 2 outlines the powers of the president, and it is irresponsible of the media to work around the clock to delegitimize a sitting president. And it seems, doesn't it, that it happens to Republicans, but they're always quick to defend uh, when there's a Democrat president in office. And it's a confirmation bias. They're searching everywhere for evidence that must exist in the ether to confirm their bias that Donald Trump colluded with the Russians. And at this point, we know that there's no evidence to support that. So why is the media continuing to dig into the desert? They're not going to find anything. And when they find something, they can be responsible and report on it, but there's nothing there. Everybody knows that this is a witch hunt and that it needs to stop because it's damaging our faith in our elections. So the media wants to talk about the institution of the press, and they want to lout it as some sort of uh, bulwark against the powerful. Let's remember the media are powerful. They have the ability to embarrass and pressure public officials with editorials. They can sensationalize. They can distort. They can give half-truths. They can give incomplete information. And they do it all the time. And the people are wisening up to it. And that's why there's a dearth of public support for the press right now. And it's their fault. And rather than defend themselves, they have to do some serious self-reflection and consider, where have we gone wrong? And it's our job as the people to hold the press to account, because if we don't do it, certainly nobody will. Uh, Andrew Lippian is my guest. He is a conservative columnist or, or uh, opinion writer uh, whose pieces gen- uh, generally run in the Chronicle Telegram out in Lorain County, which is my neck of the woods, which is how I became aware of this. Um, you, you use the word collusion, and, and they, are, they seem to be, uh, you know, it, it is their primary objective in their, in their news lives to find collusion and to find Trump guilty of, of meddling uh, or conspiring and colluding with Russia to meddle in our elections. And yet collusion is exactly what you correctly point out in your article that these newspapers are guilty of. Uh, when they agreed to run some 300 newspapers strong, essentially the same uh, editorial, they colluded with one another saying we are teaming up against this president. Um, how can they then try to condemn collusion when it's exactly what they are doing and then trying to pass it off as a free press? Yeah, it's like the process sends a, a message to the world, isn't it? It's like, what are we reading? I have to say, the way that the people can hold the press accountable, and I point this out in my article, is I call on all conservatives across the country and in our community to write letters to the editor arguing for a free, fair, unbiased, and balanced coverage of the president, because we're all smart. As the poll represents, people aren't fooled anymore. They try to pull the wool over our eyes. President Donald Trump tore it down. We see pretty clearly across the public that this is 
an attempt to delegitimize a sitting president, and we have to fight back. This is what fighting back looks like. It's not pretty and it's not easy, but I'm calling on all citizens of conservative stripes who believe in a liberal democracy to write letters to the editor calling for a fair, free, unbiased, balanced press to cover our president. It's high time. Andrew, I'm uh, looking at, because I want to expand this beyond the newspapers, which is a great point, and I completely agree. And I think people should bombard, and I know that you and David have talked about trying to, um, you know, do this at, at, at the same time to really kind of hammer home that there's a moment here, rather than have them trickle in periodically throughout the months. Try to send your letter calling for fair unbiased coverage of the president and of the federal government uh, all by September 1st. So this is what, the 20, you got a week, essentially, a week from today. Get these letters to your local papers so that it hits and has an impact rather than can be dismissed as they trickle in over the period of months. So I want to underscore that. Secondly, I want to expand this to the television side and to the, you know, the media as a whole, newspaper and electronic broadcast media. Uh, In front of me right now, from July 25th, so this is just exactly one month old, the Media Watchdog uh, Media Research Center has studied the network news coverage on ABC, CBS, and NBC. This isn't even the prime liberal outlets like CNN and MSNBC. These are just the network news uh, uh, stations. They have, since Donald Trump was inaugurated, run 92% negative news stories about Donald Trump. Negative news to the tune of 92%. Now, mind you, that means nine out of every ten things they say about him is negative. They can't even find two out of ten, three out of ten that could be positive when you have a 4.1% GDP growth, the longest sustained growth of the stock market in this bear market, or bull market, rather, uh, in, in the history of the stock market, the record low unemployment, record low for blacks, Latinos, youth, women, and so on and so forth. <clears throat> Excuse me lower taxes for all Americans. You're telling me they can't find two or three out of every 10 stories that are positive about the president just by accident. Clearly this is intentional. This is collusionary. And this is the press that the president is talking about when he says that's not fair and unbiased, which gives the people what they need. This is clearly, you know, not it's a providing the people with a disservice. Hence the term enemy of the people. That's right. And it's also called confirmation bias. They are seeking to confirm their bias. They're looking for any evidence that they can immediately turn around and say, aha, see, I told you so, because the press is embarrassed. They've been called out by President Trump, and they've been lambasting conservative presidents unfairly in respect to other presidents since I can remember. And, you know, the thing with conservatives is we like to play by the rules. We like to be respectful. We like to listen to other people. The left is not. They're not interested in in discussions that are respectful, they want to shut down debate. And so I like to say, fear is not a part of this country's success equation. We cannot carry fear with us into the future. Yes, the media will lambaste you. Yes, people will come back and try to harm you. But not always. When you start speaking out, things happen. I have to say, I had an experience with Chronicle Telegram where I got a nasty letter sent to me from an anonymous source saying, Andrew, you were a traitor. Your traffic cone president is going to hang for treason. It was signed by Jesus. Um, not the Jesus that I know, I'm sure. But <laughs> the, point I'm trying, the point I'm trying to make is, is you know, my, my spouse's hands were shaking when she delivered this anonymous letter to me. And I just said, you know, this actually makes me want to write more letters. It makes me want to speak out more. And I have to tell you, 
after I wrote that op-ed that appeared yesterday in the paper, I got an email from someone who typically is a very important member of the community and tells me she's thankful that I speak out. She feels like I'm saying what she can't. She said, you've inspired me to write. And she just submitted a letter to the editor arguing for unbiased reporting towards their president. Yeah, it's just it's just not possible for all of these uh, all of these writers, reporters, editors, editorial boards, broadcasters, and so on and so forth to all just have the same opinion objectively. Uh, there is a very subjective coverage of the president. They are indeed teaming up in unison, as you say, to justify or confirm their own personal biases against him, and that is indeed not uh, serving the people. It is not the fourth estate that uh, the press was supposed to be. It is intending to not report news, but to become news, to make news, and to impact outcomes as opposed to allowing things That's to happen right. uh andrew right. and it's, it's, good it's our job to push back and as one very vocal conservative told me he said andrew look he said i realize that this isn't always popular to speak this freely about president but listen if we are afraid today to speak our minds what's going to happen tomorrow i mean we know we know what happens in societies where speech is quietly trampled down you won't be able to speak in the future. So it's our job to say something and be vigilant because, as Levin said, the left just threw at the gate. And I, I watched as my friend Tim Hall was bullied at Oberlin College. Oberlin College never released a statement condemning the bullying. He brought a speaker to campus who was actually a freedom feminist, and the students shouted her down. They called my friend uh, a part of the Rape Culture Hall of Fame. They hung banners in the hall. And you know what? Tragically... He took his life about a year ago. Oh and I'll God. tell you, I'm, I'm bitter about it because Oberlin never, ever released a statement saying this is a tenured philosophy professor. This is wrong. They let the leftists shut down speeches, bully people, and the only time they care is when another leftist is bullied. I've seen it personally. I lost a good friend over it. We cannot be silent and idle anymore. It's the time is ripe to speak our minds. And yet they have the temerity to call Republicans, and more importantly, President Trump, fascists. That is the very definition exactly. of fascism. They practice it on a regular basis, and yet they accuse the right of being the fascists. Uh, Andrew, can people yeah, find your, uh, your op-ed that I was reading from uh, anywhere online, or do they have to have the paper? You know, they can't, but I wouldn't be opposed to posting that on a website so that people could find it and have easy access to it. If you, uh, if you can get me a link to it someplace, uh, wherever you might post it, I'll tweet it and I'll put it on my Facebook page because I think it's very well done and it's something. And I want people, too, in the next seven days to join in and, and send their letters to the editors of their local newspapers demanding fair and equitable, equitable coverage of the President of the United States rather than the collusionary hit job that they have been doing. Yes, sir, and I can say that you should be able to find it on the Lorraine County Republicans Facebook page uh, managed by David Arredondo, and I will also photocopy it and send it to you. Perfect. I would appreciate that. Andrew Lippian, thank you so much. Great work. Keep up the great work, and we'll, uh, we'll touch base again down the road. Thank you, sir. You too. You got it. Appreciate your time. Andrew Lippian joining us uh, on AM 1420, The Answer. It's a good piece. I will tweet it and post it as soon as I get, it, get the opportunity to. But for now, we're going to hear traffic, and then we're going to hear from you. Last segment coming up on AM 1420, The Answer. Did I or did I not tell you we were loaded up? Really good guests, really good, important stuff, too. Uh, Andrew Lippian, 
uh, joined us uh, earlier on in the program. We had the great Sage of South Cent- from South Central, Larry Elder. And prior to that, in the first hour, Jared Klebino, uh, attorney for a uh, Cleveland police officer who is have, having his fee- free speech and his due process rights violated by the city of Cleveland uh, in a very interesting story that we will follow up on by having the officer on next week. So make sure you are uh, tuned in next week uh, for that. Also, a little programming note. I know you don't set your clock by it, but uh, I will be hosting for Hugh Hewitt on Tuesday and Wednesday next week as well. And I think there are going to be some really, really interesting conversations there with some of Hugh's regular guests. Um, they're going to be in for a little bit of a different interview style when I get a hold of them. That is provided they are willing to come on with me. And, yes, I'm looking at you, Chuck Todd. Um, let's go to uh, where? Lisa Woods? Is that Le- It has to be Lisa Woods. If it's Friday and there's a McFan <laughs> event on Saturday, then I know I can count on Lisa Woods being on my phone line. Hi, Lisa. Good morning. How are you? Yeah, great. And we do have a, a great um, meeting tomorrow, and I hope some folks can come out. We've got to uh, meet the judges. We've got Judge Craig Baldwin will be there. He is the Ohio Supreme Court candidate, and he's currently a judge on the 5th District. We also have Heidi Carroll, who's running for um, Medina County Domestic Relations. We have Justice Mary DeGenero, and she currently sits on the Ohio Supreme Court, but she is an incumbent candidate. And also Jennifer Hensel from the 9th District Court of Appeals. She's an incumbent, but also needs to... um, uh, be reelected, and these are four great people. It, you just don't know until you meet them um, and hear from them how important these these positions are. And don't forget that they do and can grow up to be bigger fishes. And if you look at at Judge Craig Baldwin and look at some of his videos, he is outstanding. This is an incredible man that. Uh, um, really deserves our attention to take a look at and to know about before we vote in November. That's very important. And, you know, you're right. People don't really pay a ton of attention, obviously, to judges' races. They don't learn very much about them. Uh, and so they go in kind of blind. And, uh, you know, especially since judges' races are nonpartisan, you can't just decide, I like the Republican better than the Democrat. You really do need to know these people, and uh, so it's important. So they'll be speaking tomorrow at uh, the McFan meeting. Give everybody the where and when. Yeah, it'll be 8.30 tomorrow morning at the Copper Top in Valley City. If you need more information, you're welcome to call me. My number is 330-241-5226. Also, we uh, list all this on Facebook. Um, and 8.30 till 10. And afterwards, we're going to do a kickoff. And uh, um, I personally will be knocking on doors for Jim Renacy. Again, Some, you know, if we want to make things happen, we have to step up and do just a little more. And as busy as I am, there's, there, I can't tell you how important it is to knock on a door and meet somebody and give them your personal view. You won't also, have anybody um, kneeling before kickoff, will you? Oh, it's not that kind of kickoff. I'm sorry. No, there won't be an anthem. My bad. Oh, I I made a mistake there. I heard kickoff and I thought something. No, Uh, really good stuff, Lisa. So tomorrow, Medina County Friends and Neighbors, as you heard at the Copper Top uh, uh, restaurant at the uh, uh, Cherokee Hills Golf Club in Valley City. Really good stuff as always, Lisa. Thanks so much. Thank you, Bob. Have a great one. Uh, Joe in Fairview Park is going to get in in under the wire here as well on AM 1420, The Answer. Joe, go right ahead. Yeah, I just had a couple of quick points about Chicago, Bob. Sure. That one of the things they could do there is institute stop and frisk again. 
uh, especially for guns and drugs on the streets. And uh, another thing they could do is a real concerted effort for jobs, to find jobs for those unemployed and or on welfare, and an evaluation of whether someone should continue on welfare if they refuse the job they're qualified for and it doesn't hurt them financially or there aren't children, the elderly, or the sick to be concerned. Another thing would be a real crackdown on absent dads. And fourth and last, but most importantly, quit putting government officials in office that are are incompetent. That's all I have to say, Bob. Well, you said a lot there, Joe, and I'm glad you did, and I appreciate your call. As to stop and frisk, I am amazed at how many people refuse to acknowledge the success of stop and frisk on the streets of New York. When Rudy Giuliani took over the street of New York and imposed stop and frisk, the, the New York went from being the crime capital of America with one of the highest murder rates and highest uh, violent crime rates to one of the safest. It, it simply changed the entire culture there when the uh, police did their jobs and they were stopping and frisking and doing what they needed to do to prevent crime rather than just sweeping up the bodies after the crimes have been committed. So I completely agree. Chicago is long overdue for that kind of proactive policing. But you can't get the proactive policing unless the police know that they have the, the support of the leaders of the city, which speaks to your last item about the corrupt and incompetent officials. Very, very well said, my friend, and that is a great way to wrap up the program. That is all the time that we've got. Thanks again to my guests, uh, Jared Klebenow, Larry Elder, and Andrew Lippian. Thanks to you for listening. Thanks to Samuel Lockhart for running the show. Stay where you are. Mike Gallagher's next, and I'll see you Monday. Enjoy the silence. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 